नमस्ते फर्स्ट द फंडामेंटल ऑफ द चेंज दैट वी सीक द फंडामेंटल ऑफ द चेंज इज दैट चेंज कम्स व्हेन देर इज अ शिफ्ट इन द नीडल ऑफ कॉन्शियसनेस दिस द बेसिक थिंग अदरवाइज वट एवर वी मे डू ऑन द सरफेस हैज अ टेंडेंसी टू रिटर्न and we must understand why it returns how it returns but the fundamental change comes when there is a change of consciousness this is the basis of integral yoga in fact yoga is defined in a certain sense by a change of consciousness but before we get into that let's start with some simple baby steps before we start climbing mount everest because sometimes when people turn to yoga especially or even in life they start looking at the big challenges and start uh, you know conquering it trying to struggle with it but shurbindo very beautifully speaking of yoga and the process of evolution reveals that how these things have to be really mastered and handled they are forces of nature and they have millions of years of backing so they are not like individual or personal which we can just conquer uh, so easily so every tendency in human nature has a rooting in the past this past is the animal and the pre animal almost prehistoric past for instance within us is the physical consciousness which is rock like inert in in certain states we can enter into a state of utter dullness and inertia so it's it's there within us the rock is within us um, the river is within us and at the same time there is the insect the animal all these things are within us so they are all these things continue to exist but they get modified as we evolve into the human state so when these tendencies start showing up in human nature they have to go through a process it's like an illness or any tendency so they will come up they'll show us show up then they'll go through a cycle where they'll become more and more uh, they will come to the limit i mean each one has his own different limit uh, very strangely if our consciousness is small then the limits of both good and evil is small so they come up to a point and then after that point they start showing a decline old age generally implies that so what do we do how do we really master it so he says some people try to forcibly stop these tendency right in the beginning it doesn't work out like that so the first step that was advocated in indian thought which is as valid today is to practice sayama not nigraha nigraha is where you completely try to stop a tendency you try to stop it outwardly let's say some people because they are prone to anger say i'll never never be angry i'll not express anything i'll not speak now that is very difficult because the tendency is inside and it will take various kinds of roots so instead of that sayama sayama means regulate so once we start regulating the tendency start coming under a um higher control at least the control of reason at least the control of a deeper will and slowly as it gets regulated then it's very easy to really overthrow it then it's possible to completely practice even nigraha but it must go through that phase to take an example as the mother gives in one of her stories that it's um very difficult to tame a tiger in fact she says it's not possible to tame a tiger but you can tame a wild horse so you must understand the difference so if you start taming the tiger at the very beginning the chance is that uh, you'll be just eaten up by the tiger he'll swallow all the energy suck them into uh, you know all kinds of things and there'll be very little left so there are people who start this way uh, which is catching their things at the wrong end 
and when they do it um, they get into a tremendous inner conflict and fight Uh, that's why one of the reasons why shirbindo did not usually take very young people to yoga was because he says when people are adolescent then the vital nature is very prominent and uh, if they are admitted to yoga because some part is open so they go through tremendous internal conflict and it's very difficult to handle it some of them just put a cap over it they don't know what to do they have this uh, idea about what yoga is and most of the time it's a very half baked idea at best usually wrong ideas and the result is that they go through severe conflicts and it starts manifesting in various ways so a little bit of experience of life itself is a great leveler because you go through life life tends to you know teach us life is its own way and mechanism of teaching for instance one of the thing that life life teaches us because life is not just me myself alone even a family life live alone the larger context one of the things life teaches us is that we are not in this world just for ourselves and however high my passions may run however anger prone i may be if i go beyond a point i'll be hit back as simple as that so that's the way life teaches us sometimes a very cruel way hard way hard hitting way but when we don't go through that and you know we are suddenly exposed to an environment let's say like the ashram where there is so much freedom <laughs> where you are not looking for promotions where you are not looking for money then these things can get tremendously exaggerated because there is no outer check and balances it has to be done from within and no doubt what is done from within is the authentic thing that's why mother and shirbinda has spoken about the within part that from within outwards but even from within it can come only when the person really wants to change this idea that somebody can change us magically it doesn't work uh, it's not about method technique see a person who, who wants to know a method or technique by the very fact that he wants to know itself is a sign that he really is uh, Uh, trying to you know master something or get over something so this uh, aspiration this urge this seeking um, uses a method and technique sometimes as simply a hook for the grace to act it's like you know when um, shubindu was asked about medicine so sometimes physical medicine help because for the body it's much easier to have a faith that okay i've taken a medicine and i'll be fine so it often works like that not that methods techniques don't have a value but their value depends a lot on the sincerity of the seeker if the sincerity is really there then even a small thing can work wonders but if the sincerity is missing it just one of those things one learns then well the results take a long time so this is one aspect second is there are several things in everyday life which help us towards freedom and mastery which we often tend to miss i mean it's not just about people believe they come to me they have they ask how do i meditate why because i am very hunger prone so well that's a big step let's start with the baby steps so the baby step is a simple act of regularity and punctuality this should be those words this small letter regularity and punctuality help us master our nature why because just try to be regular and see the problems that come up the justifications in the mind try to be punctual and see i mean it's literally one of the best ways to learn ma- time management people often say i cannot manage my time well just try to practice punctuality in any field even it could be food it could be anything and when we try to be punctual automatically we see that how we are adjusting the brain mechanisms are working the mind is working to adjust one thing over another prioritizing thing all this is automatic 
just by the act that one wants to be punctual of course punctual doesn't mean coming half an hour before and waiting not as punctuality means to become so rigid that you know you start staring at people who are coming late no it doesn't mean any of these things it's for oneself so one has to draw a line between rigidity and discipline but discipline helps and one of the best simplest way to discipline oneself is regularity and punctuality that's why in the ashram we see this something very interesting which other than military i haven't found anywhere so here you have a time so people often wonder that why there is time you know so time is uh, you know you'll have 8 o'clock time and uh, whatever time is there after which people can leave this time is simply so that we can practice this basic quality this from shubindu's letters that why there is discipline required in the ashram which is based on freedom well this is part of giving us freedom so very few people understand that discipline actually is the road to freedom <laughs> so uh, because if we don't discipline our life uh, we cannot really arrive at freedom so this one part of it then the other part which is in everyday life we can practice is when we speak when we act just to step back just a moment stepping back this is a basic practice which the mother gives us that before we act before we speak uh, just to step back and see how this action this speech is going to help me and this is a world of discovery at least i have noticed uh, countless number of times and still continue to notice that this uh, which i was going to speak how is going to help and it's all very mechanical uh, sometimes say for example um a typical example you know two people talk ill about someone and one of them claiming to be a friend goes to they are talking about c a and b so the b goes to c and says you know a was talking like this about you now what purpose is it really serving it's serving to create division so while it looks very nice that you are doing something good by informing him about uh, a's behavior but actually you are sowing seeds of division similarly sometime when we are critical of someone uh, one of the simple things is that one is that you criticize nine times and then make a praise once but whereas the other ways praise nine times authentically and then uh, make one critical remark so these are basic things that to step back and before we act before we speak how is my action and speech going to really help in the great divine work towards which we are moving uh, and sometimes the answer can be very simple um, very direct when someone asks the mother how can i really help in your work people ask how can i work for the divine so we often think okay i'll take up a job in the center work in the center or i'll join the ashram and do things some of the mother's answers are simply stunning again in one word she is conveying so much so one of the her answers was if you uh, remain happy <laughs> you are helping in the divine's work so now <laughs> remaining happy try to be happy and you see if we look at the world from a larger standpoint each one's gloom is adding to the burden on the divine after all who's burden who will bear this burden the divine will bear that burden if i am happy at least one person's burden i am reducing that much i am doing so just to be happy another very simple thing which he reminds us is stay smiling and now you know it has uh, interesting connotations so people often ask no no but i don't feel like smiling how can i smile you know human system works in very strange ways there is something called as a feedback loop so one is that if i feel happy i'll smile but if i am not feeling happy how can i smile but the reverse is also true that if i smile when i am not happy the chances are in fact almost invariably that after a while happiness will leap up from within it's like a loop 
it works this way so these are very simple practice to smile to be cheerful to be happy um simply to not to you know there is a disease which is a very modern disease um i think so we have you know uh, our life is so fast track but it's very surprising that people often get bored so boredom is a real disease i don't know this word i is probably more more modern uh, as a child i didn't have gadgets and we didn't have you know but we had so much fun this idea never came of boredom now one reason why this is happening is because this world is being driven on by a vital by the vital forces always it has been so but they've intensified so everything is fast food mcdonald's order swiggy and everything and you know they have time so what has happened over a period of time with the cell phone people have become very very impatient and as a result they want things to happen fast happen fast and so very little time to really stand and stare so when things are not happening they tend to get bored this idea that when things are not happening what i should do they must happen all the time so this is where the mother gives a very beautiful advice that when you have nothing to do when you're just getting bored she uses the word that it's a illness so just sit quietly and reflect inside as to the purpose of life why am i here what am i doing here what is the purpose of whatever i am doing and relook and reorient and reflect and it can be done every day um, every day there could be snatches when we tend to just sit and just reflect it our own life leave aside the larger picture uh, why my life has taken this turn to discover it now when we start discovering things within us it's a tremendous uh, you know it it keeps us so enthused because there is something new we discover all the time so these are some very simple baby steps to learn to step back to sit quietly for a while and just you know look at life it breaks the stream that is running mechanically so otherwise we are just running from morning till night uh, on a kind of uh, roller coaster uh, everything is determined for us by somebody or the other so we must uh, take out time and uh, without taking out this time it's not about how to meditate and how to go within these are all uh, you know questions uh, um, to be you know meditation these are all very natural things i mean it's not like you have to sit and undertake a process if i really want to sit quietly and just understand what is the purpose of life i have already taken the first step towards meditation why things are happening the way they are happening why life has all these complexity and complications then a little prayer that ma let your simplicity let your light let your uh, light fall on all the obscurity let your peace and calm come and take over uh, entire thing because you know uh, in life there are some wonderful moments when we are driven against the wall helplessly actually we don't realize there are moments of grace <laughs> that's when we realize that i should hand over this life to her because you know we discovered that we cannot solve these things by human mind so but as long as the human mind is active there as long as that is all this what will happen in the future what is going to happen tomorrow it's all because the mind believes ignorantly that it can determine things one of the first things that one discovers in life or rather two things both in science and in spirituality do not judge anything by appearances it's is fundamental axiomatic truth because appearances are appearances this is the first truth and a complementary truth is that behind everything there is the divine if these two truths we can hold together then life is beautiful one is whatever is the appearance there is the divine truth within 
And what is it doing? What is its relation to the appearance? It is manifesting itself, trying to manifest itself within me, within everybody. So the mother gives a very simple exercise. Exercise is a way of saying. But she says, we should arrive at a point when whenever we meet somebody, we should be able to say to the person, awaken, O resplendent one, throw away this mask. Now this mask is sometimes of gloom, sometimes of anger. And the same thing we have to remind ourselves day and night. That I am not this struggling creature. Caught in the net of your mesh of this, that. Hundred things I may be caught in. But even fallen, I am divine. Even in my death, I am immortal. Even in rags, I am God. That wonderful poem of Shirobindo. And this is something we have to... You know, why this state came in? Because of a certain kind of thought. That man is a fallen being and God is up above there. So you have to struggle to reach there. And the mother says that both myself and even Shurabindu had to struggle against this tendency. Though in Indian thought it's just the opposite. Man is divine by nature. And what you see on the surface is the creation of all these uh, various forces that are acting. Our surface personality is what, you know, um, all these mechanical, habitual actions, reactions. But in our depths there is this divine nature. And she says, I had to struggle with it. And even Shurabindu had to struggle with it because at a very young age he was exposed to a kind of thought that God is up above there and I am this struggling creature. But the day, and so, you know, we are always seeking help outside. This tendency, if I am afraid, even, you know, often as a doctor I encounter, you know, people come, you give them medication, uh, then they go to specialist, super specialist, then he writes something and they are, oh, this doctor gave me some medicine, it's so fantastic it worked. So, unfortunately, they come and sometimes ask what medicine this is. Now, I had given paracetamol, supposing as a painkiller, he has given an ultra high uh, potency of a different, even more powerful painkiller. So when I say this is a painkiller and an anti-inflammatory, it is like a letdown. That, oh, I was taking painkiller. Well, this tendency that help is available outside is because we believe we are very limited beings. You know, Mother once one place says that um, uh, when we take to yoga, difficulties increase within us and because, you know, the resistance increases. Not only increases, we become aware. See, the f- uh, life goes through these three, four phases. First phase is when we think the world is bad and I am good. So there is the constant complaining, constant complaining. This person is bad. My situation is because of this, that person. It's a very elementary state. It's a like child state. That if um, Papa didn't give chocolate, he's a bad Papa. If Mama scolded, she's a bad Mama. This is how we, we never outgrow this stage of infancy for a long time. Then, then there is another stage where we say, no, I want to take control of my life. doesn't matter what others do. Even if they are worst, still I want to take charge. My reactions are well within me. This will must awaken. And then the third thing that not to justify. Well, so and so said it, therefore I am. Well, if we adopt that attitude, we'll never take even the first baby step towards mastery. The first step is that regardless of whatever other may say or do, I have to, I, I, I should still be the master of my own house. So this way, when reason is not turned toward justifying, see, the, the reason is one of the things which is given to man to reflect in it's there in animals but in animals this capacity to reflect to discern to change is normally not found animals can adapt to outer life very well but reason is very often in its infancy used by the vital to justify things i am angry naturally because my partner is like that 
So I cannot change my partner. Well, I can change my partner, but that's not the way because um, very often when we change circumstances and do not tackle the inner cause, then it will keep coming up. So at some point to discover it's not about the person, it's about the, the person, which is myself. And then one embarks on a, another journey that the same reason which was justifying begins to find out. It changes into a discerning reason and begins to see what are the trigger points, what really triggers anger. Let, I'm just taking one example. It could be many. What triggers anger? And sometimes one sees such paradoxical movements. For instance, one very easily falls into the trap, oh, um, someone loves me and therefore I have to, you know, reciprocate in love. But hidden behind it is a need for love. It takes time to discover it, that yes, it's there. Uh, one seeks it very, uh, like a little shadow which is there, which comes up at an opportune moment. Similarly with anger. That, well, I don't get angry, but inside there is a little frustration developing. It's taking the form of a little sadness, a little state of unhappiness. It's the other side of anger. So the same reason discernment begins to pick up things. And then it realizes at one point of time. So second stage is when we start looking and becoming conscious of ourselves. Then we, the third stage is when we begin to become conscious of the motives. Why do we do whatever we do? And the mother says this should go to an extent that if I am at the Samadhi, why am I going to the Samadhi? Why am I bowing down at the Samadhi? Why do I do whatever I do? And then she says that when the action of this force, you start seeing that many difficulties and resistance has come up. She says, you know, why people give up at that point of time? She says, because they lack faith. And then she says, you will ask me, why am I saying so? She says, instead of being hypnotized by your difficulties, if you just remember that grace is all-powerful. Someone used to say this very nicely. So he would, uh, he, he in a talk he was mentioning that, you know, um, I tell the divine that if I am not the worst case, then you have dealt with more serious cases and so I have hope. And if I am the worst case, then where else can I find hope except you? Because you are the supreme healer. So if with this approach we go to the divine knowing that the divine grace is all powerful. So that's why faith is so important and fundamental equality. Everything else one can lose. But if faith and hope are lost then life is lost. So hope, faith and what is this faith that is asked for us in yoga from the yoga point of view. That eventually there is nothing, nothing, nothing which is insurmountable for the divine grace. That's why it's the divine grace. And it's not just about magic. Though it works in a magical way, yet it has a process. Why? Because only the divine grace has before it the entire panorama of vision. We don't understand ourselves. Let's admit that. Regardless of all the big textbooks and the small textbooks written on psychology, we don't understand ourselves. We don't even know, we are not even conscious of the tip of the iceberg, let alone understanding ourselves. There is the subliminal within us, there is the subconscious, there is the superconscious, there is the soul, there could be workshops on it and yet we won't understand ourselves. Why? Because these things are hidden, they act from behind. Shabindar speaks of three occult sources of our action. There is the subliminal which is receiving things from all over the world. There is also the outer consciousness which responds to every knock. One simple exercise 
are two simple exercises by which we can at least master this. Not to start turning at every little sound. You know, one of the exercises which I often, you know, when people are sitting in a hall, this of course is, is a nice hall. And, but sometimes, you know, somebody suddenly opens the door unexpectedly. Or there is a little cell phone which rings or somebody. Now, this is where the challenge lies. All the eyes are turning towards that. This is a moment of self-mastery. Doesn't matter what's happening elsewhere, what's happening to others. To be focused on the goal. This is elementary concentration. Concentration on the work at hand. It's one of the very simple ways of self-mastery. To be so involved in the work. There is this story which I often recount, which is very interesting, which has a double connotation. One is what is said and the other what is not said. And the story goes that someone goes to a master and says, how to find uh, God? So the master is a farmer. He is, you know, outward. He says nothing. He's, he just continues with his work. He is taking certain things and putting them there. And uh, a long time is gone. And then he ultimately asks that, Please tell me, uh, you know, how to find. This is very simple. Don't you see? Picking up from here and putting there. To shift the concentration is to shift the needle of consciousness. When we are constantly thinking of our difficulties of fear, what is happening? It's becoming fatter by our constant meditating upon it. You know, there is this uh, story. I think it's a Cherokee legend and where. Uh, a boy sees a dream and he sees that uh, there are two wolves which are fighting. There is a dark wolf and there is a, a bright wolf. And he asks his father, Father, I saw them fight. Yes, it happens in everybody. Which is going to win? He says, the one which you feed. Doesn't matter if there are difficulties. Let's feed faith. Let's not feed fear. Let's not feed the sense of uncertainty. It's a fact of life. <laughs> it's not something which... There's no way that we can find certainty in this world which is ever-changing except by being rooted in the Divine Presence. And that certainty is about the goal. There's something which Shrivindra writes very beautifully in Savitri. Alive. And yet a secret spiritual aid is there. Alive in a dead rotating universe. We will not hear in a casual globe. And then he says, even through the tangled anarchy called fate and the bitterness of death and fall, a hand is felt upon our lives. It keeps in its unslackening grasp the Godhead promised for our struggling souls when first man's heart dared life. And what is that goal? The crown of conscious immortality. So to always remember that all these things, appearances, sometimes they'll be nice, sometimes they'll be not so pleasant, sometimes they'll be horrifying, sometimes they'll be very dark and ugly. Yet this is not the destination of my journey. O king, the events that fate is truth working out in ignorance. O king, the events that meet thee on the road are not thy fate. Though they smite thy body, and soul with joy and grief, they touch thee a while and pass. The road, the goal thou choosest are thy fate. So to remember and remind oneself in all moments of difficulties, this is a passage, you know, this story which often outside my office in Air Force, I had put up these two stories, 
which often worked so wonderfully. So one story was about this same, uh, you know, sometimes life can be very simple, we make it complicated. And the story was about somebody who uh, goes through a caravan, goes through a passage and uh, through a desert. And there is a man sitting below a palm tree and eating gruel. And the king says, who are you? Uh, so the court philosopher who is busy pleasing the king turns and says, Sir, he is nobody of any consequences. Don't you see he is just eating gruel? And then he turns to the man eating gruel and says, How foolish of you. If you only learned how to please the king, you would not be eating gruel for the rest of your life. And the man says beautifully, If only you learned how to eat gruel and be happy, you wouldn't need to please the king for the rest of your life. So one can see what is easier and what is more difficult. And the other story we all know, it's a... Uh, story we I, I love personally is King Solomon's story where you know a king is being chased by people and he is of course in India the story is about um, in a different way um, about Maharana Pratap whose horse actually jumped across a chasmine the horse died Aldi Ghati and he survived and he bounced back and overthrew the invaders so that was that's something very powerful never to lose hope but here the story is that you know a person goes to a king had gone to a guru and the guru master gives him a little mantra written in a paper and says keep it inside so he says okay don't open till there is a crisis moment he says okay now in king's life life is going smoothly till it is attacked and eventually he is on the verge of defeat he is running and eventually army catches from every side and corners him and he is up against a tree. He says, now there is nothing I can do. Then he remembers, so I have this mantra. Takes out, opens it. And he starts laughing. And when he starts laughing, so now it's time for the enemy soldiers to get surprised. What's happened? What has he got? Some secret formula. And they ask him, ask him. Then he says, okay, I'll give you my secret formula. You give me my life and I give you the secret formula. This will liberate you from all fear forever. Okay, you go scot-free. But give us the secret formula. So the secret formula is nothing. What is written on it is, this too shall pass. <laughs> what is there? Life, death are passing incidents. There is, uh, on a similar note, on a very personal note, I remember as a child when I was born, some... Uh, difficulties were there and one of the Babaji had given a tabij, you know, old time uh, some kind of amulet so it was put and I was wearing it till 10 years of age uh, so when I started growing up I said this is very inconvenient why should I and you know typical uh, 10-11 year old started to challenge so I started chewing it to open it what is inside? You know, parents would say don't do this one day I managed to open it <laughs> What I discovered was a formula which today I know is the best thing in life. And um, I opened it and there was a little paper inside. Like a paper. But inside the paper there was dried tulsi. And what was written in the paper was simply Hari. The name of Lord. And I remember that after that I, I mean, I was literally a state in which I went for three days, three nights. Constantly this started like a japa, hari, 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 hari. And then when I saw the movie of Prahlad, I connected it so well. Yes, that is the simple solution. 
all that prahlad does is he doesn't complicate life you know our mind is complicated what will happen tomorrow what will happen day after tomorrow as if there is a they'll go to soothsayers they will go to everybody well it helps the soothsayer definitely you know he also has children to look after so it's some good deed done <laughs> but <laughs> who can really manage the life who can really predict with certainty about the life only one who is the master of life only the creator has all the coordinates of creation and so this simple act of ma 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 my life is yours my destiny is yours to say day and night and night and day doesn't matter any situation any circumstance so much that the whole consciousness should get seeped into it the remedy is so simple but the human mind will say come on it can't be like that so you have to take 2000 dollars and teach a course of how to do pranayama now that sounds impressive when you shut people they said leave your cell phones leave this three times a day you will get only chana as meals after 10 days they feel oh something big has happened till they step out into life and the first person that shouts at you and you lose why because it doesn't help these are all temporary exercises and these exercises are okay very good do some breathing exercise do some deep breathing what is it called mindful meditation all this is all right it's very good for a you know a uh, temporary solution it does bring a little calming effect without a doubt about it just observe your breathing it it is uh, incidentally something very powerful and one doesn't have to do a big course for this just sit quietly and observe your breath why because again is the feedback loop so what is the feedback loop like smile you don't feel like feel happy still smile now the mind gets into this zone this fellow is smiling things must be fine and after a while happiness leaps up this is so same way this breathing works like a feedback loop when we are angry see what happens to the breath what happens to the heart heart rate when we are sad see what happens to the heart rate what happens to the breathing when we are agitated so this is one way but when we use the feedback loop just simply do some deep breathing no need to learn all this paying money very simple it's given to us simply learning to breathe just to breathe quietly breathe 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 breathe, 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 breathe. people become too mechanical how many counts i must breathe in now they're stressed out about okay it was 8 or 9 or 10 just breathe focus on the breath so we'll see after some time when the breath becomes regulated because in the human being everything is interconnected so after some time the mind begins to become calm because mind associates fear anxiety with disordered breath of course fear and anxiety are the cause of the disordered breath but you can work on this side and calm down but these are all temporary things because they have not shifted the needle of consciousness if the shift does not take place then even meditation doesn't help because what happens during meditation even when you have emptied yourself so after some time when you have emptied everything is very fine but as we step out it's a vacuum the very same forces will rush in which we are used to accommodating channel is same switched on every time you switch on it will start from that 100 tata sky subscriber channel 
After that, you changed because that's the channel which is by default. By default, we have set the channel of ego. By default, the channel is desire. So for some time, we feel very happy. So the permanent solution is to shift the needle, and that's where the mother advocates dynamic meditation, not just a passive meditation. So one meditation where we sit quietly and we just allow, open up and relax is very very powerful. And then to fill the spaces with a light, with a peace, with a presence, it is like a tremendous thing which washes away a lot. And the other is we aspire consciously. This aspiration shifts. And what is this aspiration? It's for mother. When one sees oneself in a certain state, one aspires that may, may my life. My mind, my thoughts, everything should run towards you. There are several ways of aspiring, but my method simply: if we take life as a river, may it run towards your ocean. If life is a song, may it notes be reflecting your divine harmony. If life is a sculpture, doesn't matter how you, you know, paint it and prepare it. But let it become an image that of what you want it to become. Another very interesting practice is nishkam karma. Just to you know, one of the reasons why there is so much uh, uh, fear, anxiety, and everything is because we are doing everything driven by desire. Even when we turn to God, people want to know how many days, how many weeks, how many months, how many years will I get the first results of transformation. How long to find my psychic? And if you tell them that, well, as long as God wills, <laughs> you to remain in ignorance. There is a very beautiful line of Shivendra: until He bids thee leave. It doesn't mean we do nothing. We do whatever we wish to do. Of course, we should do our bit, but not with this idea of impatience. Not with this idea of achieving something. Oh, if I go within, I'll see the light. One year I practice, I haven't seen the light. Who gave you this guarantee that in one year you will see the light? It could have been a moment, or it could be ten years. How does it matter? You're not going. It's not like a corporate sector. No, but that fellow saw the light. Well, it's not like a corporate sector where you are comparing your ambition with somebody else. It's not that. Have the joy of doing something. Spiritual exercises, practices should be an act of joy. Of love, one doesn't seek the divine because one can get something out of him, but because he is worth seeking. It's an act of love. After all, one has seen what one gets by loving all this paraphernalia. At least learn to love him who is the source of love. Then love the world, but first the source. So when we begin by that, we often go with the wrong end. That well. I will have time for God, but first let me handle this life. Not realizing that by knowing God, we can handle life much better. Or, or rather, when we you see, just imagine. I often give this example. You are walking with a super king, <laughs> not even a king, and suddenly you know you are accosted by and king. Always has his ministers, right? You know everybody is beckoned call, and suddenly you are accosted by some miscreant, some people. So what will you do? You'll say, "I am going to." Before you can think about it, the king, who is your father, your friend, 
is he going to really let you be in the hands of these people he will take the steps so what should i do you serve the king and sometimes ignorantly even stand by his side doesn't matter he cannot be harmed <laughs> who can touch krishna but if harm comes to krishna stand before of course krishna will smile <laughs> but it's an act it's a gesture allowed to us that's the beauty of human bhakti nobody god doesn't need anybody's you know but when you do that gesture as an act of love he he will himself bless you and say okay i am there don't worry <laughs> but he reciprocates see that's the beauty as we approach the divine so will the divine reciprocate if we say how does it matter he will take care of himself so the divine says okay my child you seem to be too grown up and mature yeah we all should take care of ourselves it's reflected back take care of yourself but when we say come lord i feel this tenderness towards you can i press your feet not that the divine needs people often ask someone asks shrivindu why should the divine need to be given filtered water how does it matter he can absorb all the germs shrivindu's answer but why the dudes would you like to give the divine water full of germs and poison because he can absorb it what kind of logic is this so when we have that approach towards the divine he to reciprocates not that he needs this but by this gesture we open ourselves to that dimension of the divine but when we take him that he is very cruel monster he say he is given my life so burdened with difficulties then he says my child your faith will make me act like something i never want to be which i am not but instead if we take this approach that he is all love is all beauty is all delight is all help remember what the mother once said it is very common men human beings often turn away from the grace but it is seldom that the grace turns away now even this seldom she qualifies she says because they have completely closed themselves so they feel as if grace has turned away just to remember that that grace is with me what is impossible for that grace and that love which has built the worlds this is the remedy of all fear to know that this love is there the people who are embodying this love who carry this love who love the divine they don't uh, i mean normally we don't realize what a tremendous power there is in it it's a power that's what is the story of prahlad love is a power which can absolutely act be- without hands or feet and people will ask okay prove this very sentimental stuff okay very simple proof you know it is very difficult for someone to harm a child and that's why harming a child is regarded as the most heinous of crimes why because child is smiling so full of love trust sweetness for the child it's not you know that's why in, uh, even animals wild animals there's a whole village in india where children grow up with snakes snakes live in the house and i'm not joking uh, i'm forgetting the name but uh, you know they grow up 
So they don't have fear of snakes. You know why they don't have fear of snakes? Not because they are Gauls who have who don't know what is fear, so they go and attack like Asterix. No, no, because they have grown up with them. So as a child they have handled and they have just got rid of this habitual formation. A lot of things are because of habitual association that we associate things with. And what is this association? If this is there, this is going to happen. Mind automatically out of ignorance. If this is it, this is going to happen. If this is it, that is going to happen. And constantly, and these formations are reinforced by a whole world of suggestions. Whereas to somebody who learns to trust the divine, he will say very simply, we learnt it in one of the, you know, Ramayana we used to have, um, like, now we open and see a line. So there used to be something created by Tulsidas where you just randomly put dots and then you find that Doha, which tells you about uh, what your future will be. And one of, the, one of my favorite ones was, Ho hi hai so hi jo Ram rachirakha, ko kari shakha. It means, ultimately, God's will will happen. Why debate and discuss in the mind? And that's same thing in, in Savitri. When Ashupati sees, uh, hears the name of Satyavan and sees there is a cloud chased by the light. What does he say? If this is all, then all is surely good. If there is more, all can still be good. Whether it seems good or evil to men's eyes, only for good the eternal will can work. To constantly lean on that will. Trust that will. Human methods, even the best, are limited and their ultimate work is to open us to that will. To open to that divine will. To be deliberately on the side of the divine will. What we are doing all the time, we are wanting the divine will be, to be on our side. Mother, I am going for a court case. Take <laughs> case Mine is number 31, mother. Please make me win. The divine has a tremendous sense of humor. Huh? Divine says, ah, I know, but you know, you deserve the win. But if you win, you will forget me. You will forget the goal. <laughs> okay, for a change, I will make you lose. He will not say all this. You know that story when Niroda went to play tennis. He played to, prayed to Shirobindo. Give me force, your force, so that I can win. <laughs> He went and lost badly. <laughs> he came and complained to Shurabindo. He says, but the other fellow prayed to the mother. <laughs> Didn't I tell you, pray to mother? <laughs> when will we learn that this life is not about winning and losing? It's not a competition. Each one is on his own track. Alice in Wonderland. All have won prizes. All have come first because each one is running on a unique track. Each one has his own share of difficulties, dangers. And the mother reminds us, the greater the difficulty means the greater the possibility. Difficulties come for the strong. For those whom God wants to rise. But instead we say, oh my life is riddled, we'll just look around. I am that way lucky because sitting on this side of the table, <laughs> sometimes I feel like telling. When a person says, I have this problem, that problem, I feel like saying, I have a similar problem. <laughs> of course, Jung spoke about it. <laughs> I feel like saying, 
I have a similar problem, but I can't give my remedy. That's the problem. <laughs> What's your remedy, sir? I return to mother. Why are you so much harassing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes you say also because someone say I have this pain, this body pain, this ache, and this doctor has prescribed this. Then I am listening, and after sometimes you know what I am also having it for the last fifteen years. I am having it, and I am not joking. Every bit pains. So, what do you take? Nothing. Let it pain. <laughs> pain is in its own place, and my life is in its own place. Why give importance and attention to things? As somebody said, there are two things, two steps in life. First is we give importance to things which really don't deserve importance, and second is. No, it was like a two step. This also I had put outside my office. So two steps for regulating worry. Step one: don't worry about small things. Okay, fine. Step two: scroll down. <laughs> step two: everything is a small thing. When do we get this realization? When we understand that our goal is outside all earthly maps, as he puts it in, you know, the secret knowledge. None of these things. All is too little that the world can give. Its knowledge and power are the gifts of time, and cannot fill the spirit's sacred thirst. When we live with this attitude, then we understand that life or death doesn't matter, because the journey goes on. And to always live with this vastness, this too will pass. It comes with this. And how do we grow vast? We grow small because of the ego. People often ask, "Why should one get rid of ego?" Well, don't get rid of the ego. Stay with the ego. Why everybody else for your good? What good is there in getting rid of the ego? If you don't get it, the rid of the ego, even if you are a conqueror like Kansa, even if you are mighty man like Ravana, you will be all the time besieged with fear and anxiety, because ego makes us small. It puts us in a hole. Whereas. When we grow vast, as often I have said, you know, thinking of something vast, boundlessness of space, endlessness of time, it just liberates us. But the simplest of all ways of all ways that we have uh, read and studied, the simplest of ways to grow vast, with which we'll stop, is to think that the divine is in all beings, is everywhere, and whatever be the appearances. He is everywhere, hidden inside the cloak of darkness. The master of man and his infinite lover. He is close to our hearts. Had we vision to see, we are lost in the pride and the pomp of our passions. We are bound by our thoughts, where we hold ourselves free. It is He in the sun who is ageless and deathless. And into the midnight, his shadow is thrown. When darkness was dense and covered with darkness, he was seated within it, immense and alone, remembering the divine at all times in everything, is the royal road to freedom. Thank you. Thank you very much, Doctor Rothfuss. Beautiful. I have a very basic question to ask you, actually. 
Yes, please. Um, what happens to one's spiritual practice if one is filled with fear? Just that simple question. Very good question, actually. That uh, what happens to the spiritual practice if one is filled with fear? Of all the impurities that we talk about, you know, the traditional yoga speak about six impurities. The mother has spoken of fear as the worst. Mm. So it closes all doors, it invites all that we are, you know, afraid of. So what is the antidote? Antidote is faith. How to cultivate faith? Remembrance of the divine is one of the simplest ways to bring faith. And to be in the company of those who have faith. See, these satsangs, this, I, I mean, I wouldn't call it a module or a course or, you know, it's a satsang. It's a yagna. So when we participate in these things, we grow in faith. Somebody has a big candle, somebody has a small one. When we associate with people who are people filled with faith, that's the idea of pilgrimages. That we go to places where there is a vibration of faith in the atmosphere and one comes back rejuvenated. I mean, all of us have experienced it as a child. Now, of course, we are part of Sri Ashram, which is like a maha kund <laughs> sun itself. But even otherwise, you know, go to a place which is serene, filled with those who are people full of worship, dedication. You automatically come back rejuvenated. So, and stay away. Don't entertain doubt thinking that I can solve it by the mind. The mind will never be able to get rid of doubt by its own method. Instead, find the one true remedy, which is given in the Upanishad. Bhidyanti Hridgranti Chidyanti Sarvasanshya. Render the knot of the heart strings and go deep within and find the soul. All doubts will vanish. The only way to get the final certitude is by finding the divine, but that may be, you know, people think far, he's not really far, he's nearer than our breath, but that apart, but at least finding the soul. So at least we should practice this. This is a med- That's why this meditation, that he is in all things, everywhere, within me, around me, whenever one is besieged by fear, to remember that the grace can never fail us. So this way, faith develops. You have to cultivate it. It's like a treasure. If we have it like a gift, then Save it, preserve it. She says it's the rarest of treasure that is given. And if we don't have it, cultivate it. The seed of faith is there in every human being. That's why we live. When we write in our diary, tomorrow I'll meet you. We are sure that tomorrow will come. Nobody says, tomorrow I'll meet you, provided I'm alive. (laughs) Well, we don't know about the next moment. Life is a stream of faith. Every second moment is a moment of faith, act of faith. Anything could happen in one moment. And yet we live because faith is there in everyone. We have to only cultivate it. We have to turn it, give it the right direction. People often say that I had faith in human, this person deceived me. But who told you to have faith in every human being? Have faith in the divine. And have faith in the essential divinity of things. This is yes. So, we, we often, you know, these beautiful things which are given to us, gratitude. Again, all human beings, we are having great gratitude. Gratitude to the divine, faith towards the divine. So, when we cultivate it, we live in the company of those who have faith. When we read books which are charged with an atmosphere of faith, reading Mother and Shurbindo, reading Swami Vivekananda, 
Read one sentence like this. Have faith in yourself. Have faith in your destiny. Have faith in God. It can, because they are not words, they are impregnated by the realization. So when we read, people often ask, how will faith come to me if I read Mother and Shirobindo? Well, when we read them, when Mother and Shirobindo speak about faith, it's not like anybody speaking about faith. When Shirobindo writes in the Mother that, you know, to walk through life armored against all fear, peril and disaster, only two things are needed. The grace of the Divine Mother and from your side an inner state made up of faith, sincerity and surrender. Now Shurabindo, because he has lived and realized these truths, it has a power in it. So when we read these things, we automatically get that power. That's how one has to look at it. Faith is the worst impurity. It's the direct contradiction of the divine in creation. It's the, uh, because we are living life with faith. Not by reason, but by faith. So, yeah, it blocks the path, it blocks the way, it blocks the entry. Mm. So if one discovers it, if nothing else, call mother's name and say, I want faith, I want faith, I want faith. Give me faith, give me faith, ma, 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 and then slowly it, fear will vanish. Yeah. So faith is the best, the best antidote. Yes. Fear. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Does anyone have any questions? Uh, hi, my name is Lakshmi. Hello, yeah. um, Pandeji. I met you in 2018 due to the okay. about the mind. Verified domain and the unverified domain concept. Verified domain mind, unverified domain mind at that time. Because it's related to the faith because always there is a each and every thought or each and every action, there is a confusion or doubt or something. It has happened. So it was, uh, I have taken the exercises from you and it was done. Just uh, these days, uh, uh, what I am facing is because I am living in Berlin from past uh, six years. In the collective subconscious or subconscious, not sure. But the dreams and visions like uh, the form formations, it's entirely uh, different. Not, not real, but we, we feel sometimes it is belongs. To, I mean, uh, this is me. No, it, it, the, the dream or the, the formation as a... Uh, making us like it's a reality, you know, that that okay. how can we uh, overcome it? And coming to the, it's not at all belongs to the poet. Anyway, we don't have any that kind of past or uh, you, you are not at all having anything related to you, but somehow maybe it's a collective consciousness. Yeah, so, so uh, actually the way of the Buddha is one of the best for these things. Uh, when past formations come up from the subconscious, they come up in dreams. They can even declare themselves in the waking consciousness. But dream is most common. And it's very difficult to say whether they are individual subconscious or the collective. Absolutely right. So again, one of the best ways that uh, is there is uh, the way of the Buddha where one just becomes a witness, doesn't engage with it, just keeps moving towards what one is seeking. So they will break. But if one wants to understand it, then it's a different matter altogether. Yes, there is an understanding which is, uh, uh, is, it can only be done by an intuitive consciousness. So, dreams cannot be interpreted by the normal logical mind because it's a different language altogether. 
but yes they can be understood and interpreted by the collectives uh, by the intuitive mind and it can show us sometimes that uh, where things are the way they are so pa- it can take many formations the fact that they've entered into our individual uh, realm that means something within us has drawn them uh, though it may not be collected uh, connected directly to us See, there are so many things which are lying in the folds of unconsciousness which we don't realize and they can come up uh, in dreams which things which are hidden and especially when one takes to yoga or a higher life there is a pressure and these uh, rooms open up and they can surge up and uh, no general rule can be made i mean each dream because one has to know that dream material it's a dream work what exactly is the dream and then one can understand but certainly there is a door which is open somewhere through which these formations are coming up so one way is to just completely ignore the way of the buddha keep moving towards the goal doesn't matter so after a while they automatically they'll do their work they will surge up and eventually they'll go away uh, because uh, they are just coming up because of the process of evolution uh, whether it's a conscious evolution as with yoga or otherwise they come up and if you don't pay attention after some time they will it's like people who dance for some time outside the house and then they beat drums and then they go away so that's the simplest way mother speaks about it uh, and it's so true uh, and it's not only to dreams almost about everything one can practice don't give importance it'll go away but the other is where one wants to understand which is also valid because uh, then one understand the play of forces in which case one has to grow in the intuitive consciousness or get in touch with somebody who can know it who is an expert in dream uh, interpretation yeah thank you and i have read one and in any case of offer it to the mother that's the simplest always yeah yeah thank you and i have read one uh, one of mother uh, writings about uh, there are the few elements which will get freedom so at that time also uh, you will caught by the other forces uh, yeah the, uh, it's only because uh, because uh, what experience was in the brain there is a few points like in the centers you feel the pressure in those points or something like that a uh, few things we can uh, while just uh, uh, chanting the mantra mother mantra and yeah, it's yeah. it's can okay but only few it's a very very strong uh, point which is makes uh, it's very tough it takes like years and years uh, i told you it's i met it uh, doesn't matter see the thing is that uh, however great the difficulty mm-hmm. one has to endure with faith and continue on the path so it doesn't matter let's not even think how much long it is taking sometimes even that gives uh, too much attention that this is the difficulty this coming up doesn't matter just keep on moving towards even 1 inch 1 cm that this is the goal and i have to move towards there doesn't matter and these formations jostle hassle rise fall everything will happen it's part of the journey but we should not struggle against them rather start moving towards the goal that's the way to really the best way to get rid of the past is to move towards the future so sometimes if they tie like change still in consciousness move towards the future so that is the way to get rid of them eventually one will get rid of them always to look towards the future yeah thank you ji well beautiful session as always dr lok thank you james thank you very much thank you everyone yes ma wow.